Morning, church. A lot of you must come in late. Because I sit down and I'm like, there's 20 people here. Then I get up here, I'm like, whoo, this place is full, kind of. Thanks for coming this morning. So today, we are starting our new sermon series called Love One Another. Now, please know that I have been praying for a while about what to speak on once our pastor choices leave. Because I've known they were going to come, and then they were going to leave, and we were going to call one, but I would be up here again interim. And so I was like, God, what do you want me to speak on? James is done. We can't go back to James. I mean, we could. It's a good book, but we were in it like five months. That's good. So I prayed a lot, and I had several different ideas, and then this topic is the one that resonated with me. So if you don't like this series, take it up with God because it's the only one I felt peaceful about. All right. So love one another. We know this is important. Why is this important? Let's go to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. John 13, 34 to 35. Now, Basically, from John 13 all the way through John 17 is stuff about Jesus last night before he was crucified, okay? So he took that time and he shared a lot of stuff with his disciples during that last supper, okay? So this is one of the things that he says. John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus is being pretty clear. He wants us to love one another. But what we often recognize is what Jesus wants us to do and what we're able to do sometimes are really far apart. Sometimes it's extremely hard to live up to what God has called us to do. And he says it right here, we're supposed to love one another. So how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to live lives that love one another and we do it well? Because often it can be very hard. How do we do that well? So I like to read. And one of the books that I've been currently reading is called this, The Spiritual Formation of Leaders. Does that look like an exciting book? Man, just full of life and energy and excitement. It's full of great wisdom and truth. And so one of the things that really stood out to me, because I'm currently reading it right now, was this analogy, and it's actually on the cover. So the pitcher represents God. Everything he is, everything he is capable of, everything he does, his love, his joy, his peace, his truth, his contentment, the fruits of the Spirit, everything, this is God. The cup is us, individual, created uniquely and differently, created to serve and honor and bring glory to God. We are the cup. The saucer 
is the relationships that surround us. The relationships that we see on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, infrequently, whatever relationships are in our lives. So God wants to pour himself into us so much so that when we overflow, we bless those around us. Now you will notice, except you're really far away so you might not be able to see, the water poured over and now is residing in the, in the saucer. Was that from God straight there? No. It came from our life, my life, out to those around me. But it was God who did it. God pours into us so out of the overflow we can love those around us. I want this metaphor, example, picture to be with us the next six weeks. So whatever else we talk about the next six weeks, about forgiveness, about other things that have to do with living in community with one another, I want this to be the visual you see because we are not able to do anything without God pouring into us and then out of the overflow, we being a blessing to others. So let's go read our scripture for this week. 1 John 4, 7 to 13. If you have your Bibles or want to pull it up on your smartphones, please do. 1 John 4, 7 to 13. So not the Gospel of John, 1 John. 1 John 4, 7 to 13. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit." I want to focus specifically on verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So there's two specific things that if we want to love, if we want to be able to love God and love others, then we have to do these two things. It means that we are born of God and it means that we know God. Born of God 
know God. So if we know that we have to be born of God, what does that mean? What's it mean to be born of God? You ever heard that phrase before? Born of God? It reminds me of a phrase that a Pharisee spoke to Jesus. Let's consider the story of Nicodemus. This will be in John chapter three. I think we have a picture of Nicodemus, do we not? Old guy? Yeah, there we go. All right. Nicodemus from John chapter three. He's come to Jesus. He wants to speak to Jesus in the dark. He doesn't want to be known, but he's asking questions. Listen to what he asks and how Jesus answers. This is John chapter three, starting at verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. So to be born again, to be born of God means to be transformed by him that he has come to reside in us, that we are a new creation made different. And who does this work? God does. It's nothing on our own. It's his gift to us. Just as we read in our text. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is justification. This is the gift of God being poured out on us, undeserving, forgiven, loved. We must be born of God. Second, we must know God, because again, it says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So what does it mean to know God? If we want to be able to love those around us, we have to be born and we have to, be know, we have to know God. So how do we do that? Has anyone in here ever read a biography? Any biography? Let's name some biographies we've read. George Washington. Hmm? Huh? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Nice. Any others? Huh? Ronald Reagan. I'm actually reading one of those right now. Awesome. I read a biography on Abraham Lincoln called Team of Rivals. Has anyone read this? Long book. Took me like a year and a half. <laughs> I read slowly because there was much detail. 
I learned tons of stuff, tons of stuff about Abraham Lincoln and for the members of his cabinet. Tons. I didn't even know who uh, Mr. Seward was until I read that book. Wow, lots to know. Do I know Abraham Lincoln? No. Do I know tons of details about Abraham Lincoln? Yes. I know lots and lots of information about Abraham Lincoln. I do not know Abraham Lincoln. Now this guy on the right, does anyone know this guy? His name is Sadra. He's from Madagascar. He's a youth pastor in town. He's a friend of mine. We meet every Thursday at McDonald's and we have healthy breakfast together. <laughs> We're not having the McGriddles. We're having the burritos. So <clears throat> we meet every Thursday, share prayer requests. I have another buddy, Dan, who comes as well. So the three of us, all youth pastors, Thursday mornings, get together and chat. I know what's going on in Sadra's life. I know the prayer requests he has. I see him playing basketball. He and I play basketball together at the Y. So I see him on Mondays and Fridays or sometimes Wednesdays. I see Sadra all the time. I know that he just had his first child, a little girl, that was born September 25th. I know that he's gotten a new job. I know lots of stuff about Sadra because I've spent time with Sadra. Okay? Think about this when we want to get to know God. I think a lot of times it's easy to fall into knowing a lot of information about God because this book is full of it. Tons of information about God. But just because you know tons about God doesn't necessarily mean you know God. Just because you know lots of information about God doesn't mean you know God. How do we get to know God? We have to spend time with God, which means quiet time. What is quiet time? Sometimes we as parents say, we're going to play a game. It's the quiet game, and it's enjoyable for parents. <clears throat> this is not what I'm talking about. Quiet time is you individually, on your own, intentionally spending time with God because you want to get to know him better. Quiet time, whether prayer, whether praise and worship, whether reading scripture, you are connecting with God. Now, does anyone ever have a hard time regularly having quiet time? A lot of us do, right? A lot of times we struggle with having quiet time. Why is that? Because if we have the opportunity to connect with the creator of the universe, why do we so often have trouble? He's the one who made us. He knows what's gonna happen in the future. He knows what's going on in our lives right now. And yet we often struggle. I think this quote by Corey Tenboom says very clearly why many of us struggle. If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. I think a lot of times we get so busy, quite possibly doing good things, 
that it takes away from the time we should be spending with our Lord and Savior. One of the reasons I love going on Leader Trek's mission trips is they give us 45 minutes every day for quiet time. And it doesn't matter if we're running late, it doesn't matter if we're gonna get to the work site an hour late, we have 45 minutes. And it's so refreshing to be able to engage with God that way. Now, I am blessed because I get to work here. So I come in, and what do I do often, and have been doing fairly well for the last 21 days? <laughs> I come in, and I walk in down the youth hallway, and I close myself up in one of the rooms, and I have 30 or 45 minutes of my own quiet time. Because it, is it hard to have it at home? Yes. Why? Because you see everything you have to get done. You have kids to help. You have trash to take out. You have bills to pay. You have everything else. And then on top of that, you're trying to escape, right? There's like, oh, I got to watch this show because that's just how I unwind. Well, it's true. But God wants us to pursue him. Pursue him first and be intentional with him. So I want to challenge you this week. If you have not been diligent in your quiet time because you have been busy, carve out some time. Go sit in your car at lunch. Cancel a meeting. Hole up somewhere and have some quiet time because it is through that that you will know God. Not know about God, know God. This reminds me of a story about Mary. You guys ever heard of Mary? Luke chapter 10. I do not have this on the screens, guys. Luke 10, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Is Martha doing something nice? She's opening her home. She's being hospitable. She's being hospitable to God. I'd say that's pretty good. She is taking time of herself to love someone else. That's good. Verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She's doing nothing. She's sitting on her butt listening to Jesus. She's not helping. She's busy. She should be busy. We're supposed to be serving God and loving others. Lazy Mary. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get up her butt and help me. That was a paraphrase. <laughs> Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was doing good stuff. Mary was sitting with Jesus. By the end of that day, who do you think knew Jesus better? Mary. Satan has us believe that we have to be going all the time, serving, doing, helping doing all this good stuff. And we're not spending time with God. 
And when we don't spend time with God, there is nothing to overflow out of our life to others. There's no ability to love others as we're called to. Then we just depend on our own strength instead of on the Holy Spirit living through us. We've started using a phrase in student ministry called nevertheless. We want students to pursue Jesus first, nevertheless. Because there's so many things in this world to pursue. Sports, relationships, good grades, jobs, clubs. There's tons of good stuff for students to pursue. There's tons of bad stuff for students to pursue. But we want our students to choose to pursue Jesus first. And as they pursue him, fill in with good things around that. So I want to challenge you to do the same thing. Make Jesus first in your life. Don't go a day without spending time with him. And that time during the day can change. Sometimes you can have quiet time in the morning. Sometimes you can have it at night. Sometimes you can have it at lunch. Sometimes you could stop in your car, park somewhere, and have some quiet time. There's so much time. And we go, I, I don't have 45 minutes. And maybe you don't. Take what time you do. I think also we fall into the trap of saying, I'm, I'm, I gotta have my quiet time, and you have five minutes. Is five minutes better than zero minutes? Yes. Is five minutes much of a relationship? No. I do not want us to be a body of believers that know lots of stuff about God and try to love others. I want us to be a body of believers that spend so much time with God that out of the overflow, we love other people well. I, I recognize that another reason that having quiet time is hard, besides being busy, is that we all connect with God in different ways, okay? We don't all connect in the same way. For me personally, I love to read, and I can just go sit in the youth room where it's totally quiet and focus and have some good time. My wife Susan is different. She loves to be outside. She loves to sit beside water and have quiet time in nature because that's where she really feels like she connects with God well. Dad Gummit, Colorado is not a great place to sit by water because there's not much of it and it's cold for half the year. I read a book years ago by, now I'm forgetting his name. Um, it's ah, Gary Thomas. <sighs> I just had to wait a second. Gary Thomas, he wrote a book called Sacred Marriage, which is also excellent but his book is called Sacred Pathways. And in his book, he explains nine different ways that he believes people connect with God well. So some of those ways, naturalists loving God out of doors, caregivers loving God by loving others, traditionalists loving God through ritual and symbol, contemplatives loving God through adoration, intellectuals loving God with the mind, now, I think all of us, and that's, again, just five. If you want to read the book, get it. It's by Gary Thomas. <laughs> Thank you. 
those five ways and others, find what works for you. You're not wired like me. So you don't have to connect to God like me. But you do have to connect with God. Maybe you feel really alive when you're serving. Serve as much as you can. That will help connect you to God. Maybe you feel closest to God in nature. Go for hikes. Be outdoors. Prioritize spending time with him. Whatever way you connect with God best, be intentional at it. Regardless of how you connect, it all comes back to being in the word. We are children of God. And we should be like this kid, pouring over, devouring, spending time with our Father. Because he wants to speak into our lives. He wants to bring us joy and peace and contentment. And often we rush around so much that we don't spend time with him. And we don't allow for that space to happen. How do you know when you've connected with God? I'd basically just say, you're just going to know. You experience it. But there's a quote by A.W. Towser that I think speaks very clearly to what it means to have spent time with God. Thirsty hearts are those whose longings have been weakened by the touch of God within them. Thirsty hearts are those whose longings have been weakened by the touch of God within them. When we spend time with God, the longings that we, that we have within us are lessened. The stressors, the fears, the times we feel hopeless, the times that we are scared, the times that we don't know what to do, the times that we have desires that haven't been fulfilled yet, whatever longings we have, when we spend time with God, those longings are weakened and we grow more thirsty for time with God. I promise you, if this next week you carve out time, intentional time, time where you can just spend some time with God, you will walk away glad. You will walk away changed. You will walk away reminded of who God is. And then out of that overflow, you will be able to love others well. I have a closing scripture I want to point to. It's from Matthew, and it's the greatest commandment. It says this, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. If we want to love those around us, if we want to love one another, we have got to make time to love him first. And when we love him first, we will love others. Amen.